Three the Hard Way by Gary Phillips contains three hard-boiled novellas, each worth the price of the collection all by itself. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Are you ready? Let's get this show rolling. Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Gary Phillips, the author of a fabulous collection of hard-boiled crime novellas, Three the Hard Way, and it was released earlier this month. Gary, welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm. Thanks for having me, Steve. I love hearing your voice. You've got this deep radio disc jockey voice. Have you ever done any radio work? I have done a little radio work. I've also done a little uh, voiceover uh, work. And this is uh, its a family voice. It's my dad's uh, voice. And my son, my grown son, Miles, he has a voice that's deeper than mine. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, have, have you ever given any thought to recording some of your own work as, as audiobooks? I've done a few of my short stories that way. And, uh, and in fact, I'm actually on tap with a friend of mine who does uh, audio books. In fact, he reviews them uh, as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, he has a uh, home uh, uh, sound booth. Okay. And uh, and so, in fact, uh, I think we're going to try to do a recording of Three the Hard Way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, he'll do (laughs) one of the novellas. I'll do one of the novellas. And then I have... uh, uh, and between us, we have some actor friends, and we'll get one of them to do uh, the third the third novella. Okay. After we talk about the three, then I'll ask you which one you would be the voice for, because I think that that will be interesting for uh, for listeners to hear. So let's talk about first. Let's talk about three the hard way. It's three novellas, uh, three different characters, three really richly developed characters. Uh, so let's get start them in any order you want. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, McBleek, okay? Uh, the uh, the thief, the thief character, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Malcolm Cavanaugh Bleakston uh, is a, a one percenter. Now, how he got to be a one percenter, maybe uh, by hook or by crook, uh, and that certainly is teased uh, in the story. Uh, the story is called The Extractors, and in the context of the story, though McBleek—that's his his nickname. Uh, is going to uh, rip off another uh, fellow swell, right? Uh, another uh, another guy who's even shadier than McBleek, a man who's made his money in all kinds of ways. And it's not as if McBleek needs the money. It's, it's certainly uh, indicated or, or implicated that McBleek has uh, ripped off uh, several people over several times. And, and, of course, it's also indicated that this may or may not be his true name. And really, uh, for me, the character is kind of a, it's a homage in a certain way. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the late uh, Donald Westlake's uh, Parker series, uh-huh. you know, and, and those are just great books where Parker is really just defined by his actions. He's such an, um, a character of the id, I guess you'd say, right? Because he, he, he truly is only defined by what he does. He has almost no internal 
uh, monologue or, or, or landscape that we that we are aware of, and uh, it's such an existential character. And so, with with kind of Parker in mind, but of course also a, a nod to uh, Highsmith's Ripley, and uh, and even further back, uh, let's go back with A.J. Raffles, who was uh, created by. Uh, uh, Conan Doyle's brother-in-law as a kind of flip side to Holmes, Raffles being a uh, a, a master uh, cracksman, uh, but as well as I guess a member of the uh, I guess they would call it the pony set then or the society yeah. set. Sort there of a gentleman thief. A gentleman thief. Although he himself was a very I mean, if you read the stories, the stories are pretty dark. I mean, he he's a pretty amoral character, uh, and so kind of all three of those characters in mind was then how I got to McBleak. And, and the story that, uh, that I tell them through the hard way with, with the extractors. All right. Now, I, I will confess that I, I love a good heist story. Oh, cool. And so I, I, I was sucked right into this and the character of McBleak. You and I talked before we came on the air. I was asking you, hoping there were more of these stories somewhere that I could find on your website and, and go to Amazon <laughs> and buy uh, but there aren't any yet. But I, this is a phenomenal character that you developed so quickly. And at least for me, I, I became attached to him in, in, you know, maybe five pages. Oh, good. And uh, it just happens so quickly. And, and that's that's sort of what you do. You create these great characters. You know, listen, what we try to do as crime fiction writers, we have a very sophisticated audience. They've read a lot of stuff. They see a lot of stuff on TV and movies. And, you know, in the end, as I guess it was Raymond Chandler, right? There's only eight or nine plots. Mm -hmm. So then the question is, you know, putting your character through the paces, how do you keep the, uh, how do you keep the audience interested, the reader interested? Um, on one hand, we, you got to give them a little bit of the same old, but on the other hand, you got to give them something new. You got to give them a different kind of flavor. And hopefully that means that, at least in my mind and how I write these characters, I will uh, establish a backstory, and you don't necessarily—I mm -hmm. don't necessarily tell you that backstory in the in the in the uh, short story or the novella or the novel that I'm giving you or writing. But as long as I know what that backstory is, I can then give you little uh, hints, little leaks of the character, and hopefully that that helps me then. Uh, bring them more full to the page. And you used the term teased some of this information out earlier, and that's exactly what it is because it, it is you're teasing us. There's this – there's a little hint of something, and you want to read more to see if, you're, see if we're going to find out more. And then – Five pages later, we've forgotten about it because you've teased out something else or you've introduced another richly developed character. And uh, just, you know, this is fun stuff to read. And, and you, have a, you have a real gift for this. I know you, you teach writing as well. I, I want to get into that in a little sure. bit. But let, let's sure. get into the other two stories that are okay. equally good with equally well-developed characters. Although uh, the Essex Man uh, makes a couple of appearances. There's a, there's a short story at the end of the three novellas. That's right. Uh, so is, is he a character that, that you have multiple stories for? Well, okay, so you're right. So the Essex man, uh, a.k.a. Luke Warfield, is uh, a kind of – now, he is a certain um, – in the tradition more of, uh, I, I would say, like the 70s uh, paperback of vigilantes, the spinner rack, <laughs> the spinner rack uh, 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 folks of Daring Do, such as the Executioner, the Baroness, uh, the Black Samurai, etc. Mm -hmm. So with that, with that in mind, though, set in the modern era – with that in mind, uh, but also understanding that, you know, again, you have to ground these characters, I think, 
even though the characters are somewhat fantastic creation, you still got to ground ground them in a kind of um, human uh, uh, foibles and frailties so that we, the reader, have something to latch on to in an emotional way, I think, in, uh, with the character. So in Luke's case, he's a kid uh, like me. He, he grew up in, in, uh, in the hood in, in, in South Central. Uh, unlike me, he's more of, a, of an orphan kind of character and, and kind of came of age. He's certainly younger than me, and he came of age during um, the riots, uh, the unrest here in L.A. in 92. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a flashback to that in the, in the story. And then he goes on and he, and he becomes this black ops guy and he does some some questionable um, things in the context of that work. And now, really, he runs this foundation as a way to essentially atone for his past. But, of course, as we know in all good stories, your past invariably comes back to haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so in this case, in, in 10 Seconds to Death, uh, the novella in Three the Hard Way, uh, Luke is uh, Luke can't escape that ghost, that specter from the past, uh, and um, and when his foster father is killed, is murdered, uh, he as he investigates that, he unravels this bigger conspiracy, this bigger mystery uh, that he gets uh, sucked into. Now, before we get to the third novella in in Three the Hard Way, let me ask you about story length because you write. All different lengths. You write short stories, you write novellas, you write full-length novels. How do you, in your own mind, select a length when you start a story? Do you know ahead of time that this is going to be roughly 100 pages, or, or do you just not know until you get into it? You know, that's a good question, uh, Steve. Usually I know. In other words, uh, I knew these were going to be, and part of these were you know, prescribed uh, lengths from um, – a kind of external need, uh, so that I knew that these were going to be novellas. And usually that's, that's also the case that with a novel, you invariably are going to introduce some subplots and some other, uh, some other trains running. And so that toward the end of that novel, hopefully, at least if these subplots don't resolve themselves, at least they'll cross or at least they'll, these, the, some of these trains will come together. Some of these tracks will come together. Uh, and hopefully in a kind of a resolution of the story. So invariably, I think for a novel, and I've, and I've got in mind this, this novel I need to start uh, <laughs> uh, by the summer, um, there's a bigger story. There's always the main story, and there's other stories that sort of feed into the main story or mm-hmm. kind of parallel. I think with the novella and certainly with the short story, I just did the short story, um, just finished a draft of a short story. And a short story, even more than anything else, right, still has to have a beginning, middle, and end, but but it has to be, the idea has to be enough that you can sustain that short story, that trip, um, that journey with the reader, but not so big that um, that it, that you need more and more pages to tell, tell it. So you're right. So in some ways, I always know, I certainly always know when I'm going to write a short story or a novella, and, uh, and and even a novel, I know I'm going to write it. In other words, I don't I don't just start with the idea and, and figure out or just have sort of just goes along and then the length is the length. No, I usually know what the format or what the structure is going to be. And knowing that, I then can tailor how I tell the story. I guess that's for the answer. Have you ever had a situation where you, you write something as a short story or a novella and you you finish it and you say – this is so good. I, I want to make it bigger. Well, I not so much that, but um, as we kind of um, alluded to earlier, I tend to write 
characters characters or or who are either uh shady types mm-hmm. uh uh or or do-gooders but i tend to write characters that i want to revisit again unless i kill them off and even if you kill them off sometimes they come back from the grave right <laughs> <laughs> so so i tend to write characters male and female that i want to um follow for a while i want to uh see where i go with their stories and can i in the context of that you know change things up can i can i from story to story uh give it a little bit of a twist or a little bit of uh, some kind of different resonance than the usual sort of progression of you know the hero gets involved in something he'll resolve something and the hero is the same at the end of the story mm-hmm. can you in fact do a series whether it's short stories or novellas or novels about a character and where the character he or she is a bit different is a bit something something different has happened to them mm-hmm. at the end of that story that makes them a slightly different person as they go forward all right now the third the third novella in in three the hard way is the anti anti gravity steel so tell us about right. that 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 features a character named knock brenner that's right uh, uh, uh ned knock brenner is a young man who is a um Sort of uh, almost pre- preternatural, but he is a, a an extreme athlete. He's kind of, uh, and there's a reason we we th- that's presented in the story for this. But anyway, he's kind of gifted at whatever he chooses to do, be it uh, motocross racing or uh, MMA fighting or free diving or what have you. Now, this is based on on your life story, right? <laughs> <We should>. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, exactly. But now I'm old and broken down. <laughs> there's a, there's a price to pay for living like that <laughs> but uh so knock in the in the as we open the story it's it's sort of this benign uh, as they say a soft opening where he uh has been in an all-night uh, underground poker game and, and he's won uh you know a pretty decent score uh, and uh but as he's leaving uh something happens one of the one of the players is is attempted kidnapping of one of the players and so this is kind of odd but he breaks that up and this kind of pulls him into this bigger story and uh more of these characters and knock is is consciously uh a kind of um a kind of modern day riff on the old great old pulp characters from the 30s in particular of course uh doc savage doc savage being uh both uh being the the true golden boy in fact doc savage is there's a lot of in doc savage that that uh uh, Siegel and Schuster used for Superman. Doc had a Fortress of Solitude. Uh, he was kind of this big physical guy, but he was also this genius. Uh, and um, and so anyway, so with uh, the anti gravity steel, uh, Knock is definitely in that in that lineage of of those pulp characters. But again, it's a story set in modern day with uh, with hopefully modern sensibilities. Now, pulp plays a big part in in your writing life, doesn't it? I think it does. I, you know, and it's funny you, you, you ask that because it's certainly the case. In fact, I was, I was, I'm, I'm working on a project now where I intentionally, uh, given the nature of the project, as they say, pulped it up, right? I, I, <laughs> I intentionally in the outline made it more pulpy. And then when I got, uh, Notes back from the editor. The editor is like, and like, what this is? It's a, it's a project. It's a video game tie-in, and you know, video games are all you know, shoot 'em ups and mm-hmm. first-person shooter and all this sort of stuff. But you know, it's very action-oriented and very pulp. And uh, and he was like saying, no, 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 I want more uh, Cormac McCarthy. I said, okay, <laughs> but that seems a lot <laughs> antithetical to me to video game. But but uh, we we we've kind of settled on a happy meeting where I've definitely given it much more of a 
Dashiell Hammett kind of feel, much more of a um, more of a character study of, of this main um, the main character I'm going to have for this story and the mystery that he solves. But so you're right. So it is interesting to think about because I have a, a foot in new pulp and I, I write noir and I write hard boiled. And uh, while there's overlap, there's certainly overlap. It's also the case that stylistically, these are these are very um, different. Uh, genres, or I guess subgenres mm-hmm. within the within the larger genre of, of crime and mystery writing. Now, in in three the hard way, as as we've it, it is obvious by what both of us have said, three different protagonists, three different types of stories. How did you select the three for this uh, collection? Well, that's um, the three the three novellas had life. Uh, in various formats earlier on or in different kinds of ways mm-hmm. earlier on and uh, and were done for different for different reasons but but, but as I said all, but all the reasons I've given that was the reason I wrote those I've written these particular stories mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and you know got the opportunity now with uh, with down and out books who's a you know, growing concern, concern as, a, as a small press publisher to uh, bring them together. Uh, and then add the that sort of bonus uh, short story with with the Essex Man, uh, murdered by remote control, and and hopefully you know uh, introduce them to kind of a new audience and uh, but also kind of get a kind of um, you know as we said there's a, there is a kind of connective tissue of the three even though they are somewhat distinct mm-hmm. in character and tone, uh, but the idea being that they they are somewhat action oriented. Uh, but at the same time, I think grounded in a, in a kind of reality. And they fit beautifully together. I mean, it's, I, I really <laughs> I like this little collection. And uh, as I said, especially McBleak, I just I, I'm I'm hungry for more McBleak. How, how do you Good. come up with these names, McBleak? I mean, it, it, we can sort of picture this guy, and he's nothing yeah. like a, a like a bleak kind of a character, at least in my mind. Right, right. Although I think he has an, I think his interior landscape is much more, yes. uh, uh, right, exactly, desolate than he than he lets on. That part of his facade is to be this uh, charming, uh, erudite uh, cat, but of course in- internally uh, he's somewhat, uh, he is somewhat arid. <laughs> um, well, you know, there's a, there was I, long ago, and I can't remember who who came up with this, but there's a, there's a thing about using hard consonants in the in the names of characters uh-huh. and i and you know in the contrast between a hard consonant and a soft sound uh or you use a um you want a, a single syllable or no more than two syllables there's, there's, there's kind of these crazy little rules but if you look at them or if you look at the names of characters that you remember mm-hmm. that seems to be that seems to be the um uh, the de rigueur that seems to be the, the thing that people do so i i do i consciously do that in the sense that i want I obviously want a kind of memorable name. I want a name that has a bit of a drama to it. I don't want to make it, even if it's pulp, I don't want to make it too pulp of your name, right? Uh, <laughs> but but I do want a name that, uh, on one hand, somewhat rolls off the tongue easily, but maybe is a name that, that has... Um, that captures a certain essence of the character and therefore maybe a name that you'll remember. All right. We've been talking with Gary Phillips, the author of Three the Hard Way. Gary, where can people find the, this book? Well, they can find this book. Actually, uh, uh, Down and Out Books now is uh, starting to be picked up uh, in a normal, a normal, regular bookstores. But, mm-hmm. of course, on, on Amazon, there's an ebook version. And as we mentioned a, a little earlier, uh, hopefully down the line, there'll be an audio version as well. All right. Now, let's, let's go with the big reveal at the end. Which of these stories are you going to voice? Okay. 
<laughs> well, I, I, it looks like um, uh, I'm on tap to do the uh, the Luke Warfield one, the 10 Seconds to Death. Okay, all right. Uh, my friend, uh, uh, Richard Brewer, uh, I actually have Richard in mind to uh, to voice the uh, McBleak uh, story because I think he would be actually very good at, at that. Mm-hmm. And then I have a, a friend uh, of mine who's a... Um, uh, actor, actor, and director. Actually, in fact, he has his uh, small feature film uh, that's coming out that I've seen the uh, cut of, which I, I quite enjoyed. It's a nice, hard-boiled little film, and I have him in mind for uh, the voice, or not the voice so much, but certainly the point of view of of Knock, uh, Knock Brenner in uh, the anti-gravity steel. Okay, and for people like me who have enjoyed reading this but would love to listen to the audio version, what's the best way to keep up with you and, and what you're doing? Oh, they can always um, check on my website, which is uh, gdphillips.com. I um, actually more or less keep it up to date. Uh, I don't. I don't do the the the, the Twitter, the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Not a tweeter, huh? <laughs> Not a tweeter. Uh, I do have a Facebook. I guess I have a Facebook presence. I don't know if I have a Facebook page. I think I see. I seem to have just a, like a normal Facebook page. Uh-huh. I understand you're supposed to have a author page. I don't really have that. Well, if you but, have the so, author page, then you can pay for advertising. So you may be the oh, smart one. Yeah. Well, maybe that's maybe that's what I should do. All right. Anyway, uh, but uh, definitely my website, like I said, gdphillips.com is usually pretty current and uh, will will invariably have links to to um, whatever it is I'm working on. All right, Gary. Thanks so much for being here again. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. I appreciate it.